Retirement is a funny thing for a professional athlete. For most people, you work your entire lives to hopefully get to a point where you feel comfortable and can happily be beholden to no one. Your time is yours to make what you want of it. To an athlete, it is a difficult proposition to handle. You play a game for a better portion of your life, then in an instant, it's gone. Some have drank from glory's cup and can at least look back at great moments. Others are not so lucky. Either way, it's a heart-wrenching decision for most. Yes, it's true, some play for the love of money, talented enough to get to the top without it, but for most, love is required to make it there. Most athletes don't play into their 40s. That leaves about half of a lifetime to make of it what you wish. And unfortunately, most don't know how. Before we get into the aftermath of a career, figuring out how to retire has changed over the years. It used to be a press conference, going to the ballpark, telling the fans how much you care about them and how much you care about the game. But for some reason this has transitioned into announcing a retirement at the beginning of a year and playing out that year for the fans to see you one last time. The question is, are athletes selfish? Or do they think they know what fans want one last time? Let me say this loud and clear. Does that make sense? Anybody out there wants to throw some questions at us? At MSW Sports. It glued everyone's eyes to the television. Sure. You know, I hear waste of money and things like that. I mean, it's not your money. So who cares? Welcome to Making Sense with Mark and Tom. Here are your hosts, Michael Mack and Tom Hellis. I saw that day, if you talk about sadness in any gathering, that's the day I saw photographers cry. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. That is how the greatest of athletes used to retire. In front of a crowd, with people looking on, cheering, laughing, crying. They gave you one last glimpse of greatness. It's been a joy for me to come back and play here for a second time around. You guys welcome me back with open arms as if I never left. I just want you to know how much that means to me, means to my family. My two boys, man, it, it's been great. I just want you to know, this is my last game in the Coliseum. Just know that I'll never leave you. Go Raiders. Times have changed for superstars. Yes, some still give press conferences, and they show up at the ballpark or the stadium or the arena for one last farewell. But some are now taking the retirement in their own hands giving the fans one last chance to see them before they go. Is this out of arrogance? A way to say, look at me, see me one more time before I go? Or does an athlete, especially one that has earned so much, deserve to dictate how they show themselves to the fans? I want to take a brief moment to thank the the Steinbrenner family and Mr. George Steinbrenner uh, for giving me the opportunity to play my entire career for the only organization I've ever wanted to play for. To my teammates, past and present, 
appreciate you guys, man. The Lord has blessed me with a, a big family, and all these men have been part of my family. And uh, I thank you, every one of you guys individual, for what you guys have been for me. I love you guys, and you guys are special to me and my family. Thank you guys for being a part of this journey the WNBA, all the fans that support us so much. It has been my pleasure and it has been an absolute blessing. Thank you so much. We've even seen guys weep at press conferences. <clears throat> Some 18 years ago, I left Dayton, Ohio with two very bad knees and a dream to become a Major League Baseball player. I thank God that the dream came true. Today I came back to Pittsburgh to grant still a nation. There's one last request. So today, I'm officially retiring as a Pittsburgh Stiller. And as much as I will miss football, my teammates, coaches, and everything about the game, I don't want to play it in any other uniform. The black and gold runs deep in me, and I will remain a stiller for life. Maybe this new way of retiring is a way to get used to the idea. Maybe this helps give them time to let it sink in, that it's going to happen. A coping mechanism, if you will. For someone like Kobe Bryant, someone who painstakingly made sure his legacy was going to be set, it makes total sense. We talked with Scott Davis from the Business Insider about Kobe. You know, Kobe's kind of always had a sense of grandeur, I guess. You know, he has gotten into filmmaking. He had his documentary that I think was just Showtime. Two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, I would leave the house and I'd go to the park and I'd sit in midcourt. And I was just kind of looking around, looking up at the stars. I was looking at the basket. And I thought, if I knew then what I know now, all the pain that I would go through, my family would go through, is it really worth it? Um, so having a camera crew kind of document this, then he gets his farewell tour everywhere, which was almost already happening before he even announced his retirement. So now it's all kind of captured on film, and, you know, everybody was paying their respects to him while he was going to these, uh, to these arenas, the away arenas, when they're playing opponents, supposedly there's lines basically to see him and talk to him. So, you know, now that's all captured on film and I think that's a pretty Kobe way to go out. You know, he's clearly into filmmaking and, uh, you know, now he has a way to document it all and I'm sure one day it will be released. With half a minute to play, Bryant for the lead! Yes! Kobe Bryant gives the Lakers the lead! <laughs> oh, I tell you something, this is, you know, he was legendary before this game. This is this takes it to an absolute another level. You know, honestly, I, I still, I mean, I can't believe this actually happened. To be honest with you, like I don't. I mean, this is it's kind of crazy to me. Like I still don't. It's hard to believe that it happened this way. It really is. Like I'm still in shock about it, and and just you know the. Uh, the outpouring of support all night long and my, you know, former teammates and the fans and my family. And it was just, 
you know, it's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Like, I'm still in shock about it. And I think now I'll allow myself to go back and read a lot of the things and watch some of the commentary and the videos and just kind of take it all in, you know? The thing that's interesting to me, you know, and people always want to ask you about certain players. Uh, I've watched a couple of Kobe's interviews. I'm glad he's finally letting people know he is a good guy. The weight that is carried by an athlete with the mindset that Kobe had is immense. To some degree, all athletes carry this, but it's ironic that despite this mask or veil that is worn, for the most part, getting to the end and enjoying it is what I believe most athletes seek. To just decide to hang up and stop what you've been doing for however many years of your life, I'm sure is incredibly difficult. I can't believe how fast 20 years went by. I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, to be standing here at center court with you guys, my teammates behind me, and uh, appreciating all this, you know, the journey that we've been on. You know, we've been through our ups and been through our downs. And uh, I think the most important part is that we all stay together throughout. He was, again, able to kind of say, all right, I'm going to enjoy this. You know, I'll embrace what the crowd gives me. I will kind of just enjoy the whole process and the camaraderie of being on a team and the uh, joy of competition and not have to miss a this mill and that fancy, you know, he kind of was able to almost drop out of that character and just kind of play the game and be just a, a guy for a little while. So I'm sure it was difficult, but at the same time, you know, who wouldn't enjoy being, uh, being cheered on by people who normally boo you, you know, it's kind of like, it's like the facade was dropped and he got to just enjoy it. At what point does a player in any sport not have the right to go out on their own terms? Some go out in storybook fashion. Well, the script is there. The last page is in Derek's hands. Meek deals. Base hit to right field. Here comes Richardson. Here's the throw for Marquez. Richardson is safe. Derek Jeter ends his final game with a walk-off single. Derek Jeter, where fantasy becomes reality. Did you have any doubt? Unfortunately, others are forced out in more undesirable ways. And I feel like in my seven years, seven and a half, eight years, whatever you want to call it, I feel like there would not have been a day in my career that I don't feel like that I get this game. Everything I had. It's not a sad day for me. You know, uh, life goes on. You know, I, I never really wanted to be an uh, Olympic track star or, or an NFL player. I just wanted to be great. I wanted to be great at something. I wanted to make my family proud. And uh, hopefully I've done that. Lawrence Taylor was up saying Theismann is hurt. And I don't believe Lawrence Taylor would have reacted that way unless Theismann is really hurt. Because of uh, the HIV virus that I have attained, uh, I will have to retire from the Lakers uh, today. Yeah, Mike, I remember that. I remember when that all happened, him calling the press conference. I remember saying to myself, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen such a well-liked professional athlete get up in front of all these people and announce that he was HIV positive and was retiring from the sport that he loved. 
it was weird. <laughs> I don't know any other way to describe no, it. No, I mean, you can't. It, it was one of those things where it will always sit with me because at that time there was not really that much known about it as far as the HIV virus, and things were just starting to ramp up as far as awareness was concerned. And when you look back on it, you said to yourself, well, if a guy like Magic Johnson can get this, who couldn't get this? Mm-hmm. And it really made you think about you know, your situation. And again, I was only 13, but it still stuck with me even up until this point. Isn't it crazy when we look at the events that happened that led up to that, what it did for the actual virus? So it was kind of a, a gift and a curse, if you will. So with retiring, because of athletes being forced out, doesn't mean that they can't go on and do great things after they retire from the sport that they love. And it doesn't necessarily mean that when you retire, it's automatically you're in a depressive mode. And sure, it might happen. You might go through this. And we'll talk about this in a future episode. But I think we also have to remember that at the end of the day, when an athlete retires, it's a decision that they decide to make themselves. Right. And it's their choice on how to do it. I think back in the day, you didn't have an athlete dictating these things. Now, athletes are able to control more because of social media, because of how they've learned how to work the media. And when we talked with Dan Shaughnessy from the Boston Globe, he actually discussed this regarding David Ortiz. I think there's a kind of new new territory there regarding controlling the message and the fact that the money is so large now that you know, maybe guys didn't have the luxury to do that, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, life-changing money and play another year, you know, things could, could improve a guy's situation. At this point, we're into the stupid money area, so it doesn't really matter. Guys have more than they could ever spend in generations on down. So, but I think that controlling the message, that's, that's kind of what you're, you're seeing and citing with, with, uh, Rivera, Jeter, Kobe, David, I think that they, they leave on their own terms and, and they they put it out there, and then they they follow through on that, and that's that's kind of a new way to do it, and not the worst idea, I suppose. I think when you live in a world now where there's a lot of things that happen, and a lot of things that are said, tweeted, written about athletes that are kind of out of their control, hateful things, hurtful things. It's kind of nice, maybe, for some of these guys to look back and say, you know what. I did control this one aspect, this one thing. Sure, there'll be things written, things said during it. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that dictated how it went. And yeah, we all know there's money involved, even though it's stupid money. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that there might be somebody in an athlete's ear, an agent, a team, a league, saying, hey, go out in this way. It makes the most sense. It helps everyone involved. Right, yeah. I mean, athletes, for the better part of the 21st century, have been living under a microscope. Now, athletes that have been under this microscope have been big and they excel in their in their sport. There's been a coalition of take-back power, and athletes have been told, you have the power, you are the player. Act, please act like you don't have the idea that you don't have power so when people are telling these athletes to take that power back they look and say you're right i can control this i can dictate how i want to go out 
because this is my career. And sometimes we get lost in that. And I think it's important for an athlete not to get lost in that as well because we've seen how that story has unraveled several times. Especially now when you see women, men that play these professional sports, they're not just players on teams. They've become brands onto themselves now. Every single time they say something, it's scrutinized. Every single time they do something, it's picked over. So when they want to choose to do it this way, they have the right. And they've earned that right, especially the ones that are the quote-unquote superstars and the legends of the game. Now, not every single legend goes out this way. Guys simply said, I'm done. Everything that starts has an end. It's just life. And for me, you know, today, I told my team that this would be my last ride. There's just something about 18 years. 18 is a good number, and today I retire from pro football. When someone thoroughly exhausts and experience, they can't help but revere it. I revere football. I love the game. So you don't have to wonder if I'll miss it. Absolutely. Absolutely, I will. Peyton doesn't make rash decisions in anything he does. He doesn't do anything without considerable contemplation. So even in his no-huddle, hurry-up offense, it was always based on hours of film study, constant work, a lot of you know studying and breaking down at defense beforehand so he could make a split-second decision when he needed to. And I, you know, I think there was that's kind of how he approached retirement. I imagine for him, he had to be at peace with the whole decision and know that it came after careful thought and a lot of consideration about how it was going to, how it would feel to him and what it would be like so that he could, you know, accept it and feel like he, he was doing what he wanted to do. And it was probably something he already knew he was going to do or he had a feeling he would do, but he needed to come to terms with it and feel like this is exactly what I want to do and so I'm ready for it. And that was Lori Lattimore Volkman. She writes for the Mile High Report, featured on SB Nation. Now, I've never seen a player like Peyton Manning approach the game the way he does. He's a perfectionist. I mean, there's a famous quote by Yogi Berra, where 90% of the game is mental and the other half is physical. Well, with Peyton, it's almost like it's 95% because he's so methodical in his approach and he doesn't let anything uh, pass him by. Tom, I mean, for me, this is like the testament of how he plays the game. She even told me that he would have quarterback coaches cut up tape and present it to him so he could prepare for the next defense, the next game. Legacy was important to him. He made sure of that. She also talked about this at the end of our conversation. Peyton Manning's legacy was remarkable for all the things he did on the football field, but more so the way he changed the game for quarterbacks. I mean, it was it's Peyton Manning who you think of when you think of no huddle. And and you know, he's the ultimate defense dissector. <laughs> like no no defense could would tell you that there was a better quarterback at at, you know, kind of just completely annihilating everything they had planned than Peyton Manning. And when you have a player impact the game the way he did and for so for so long, then 
the legacy speaks for itself. Isn't it funny how we fail athletes owe us? We deserve answers. We want reasons. And we feel they should justify their actions. Sometimes fans forget their favorite player and them have something in common. They're both human. We have this affliction with these players because we want them to be mistake-free role models and not have a blemish on their record. Almost in a sense, a perfect us. We want to have our cake and eat it too. Well, we can't. We aren't to decide when someone should stop playing the sport that they love since they can remember. We shouldn't decide how a player will be treated once we realize it's too late and instead giving them the roses while they can still smell them. We vilify them. And we aren't to decide how someone retires. Yeah, we feel like a piece of us is dying and it's tough knowing one of our favorite heroes is leaving us. But we have to remember their sacrifices, their bodies. They do a lot for this game and it's for our enjoyment. Our enjoyment is taken away from their families, their private time. As the great John Legend song goes, I'll give you all of me. And that's what they're doing for us. We have to remember that these players have a life too. So when they want to hang it up, and take off their boots, put their hat on the rack, sit on the couch, turn the TV on and say, ah, I can get used to this. We shouldn't get mad at them. That's what we want for ourselves. And for the next episode of Making Sense with Mike and Tom, Tom and I talk about athletes who retire too early and those who just don't know when to hang it up. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. You've been listening to the Making Sense with Mike and Tom podcast on storyball.org. You can also find them on Twitter at MSW Sports. Listen to this and many other podcasts by searching Storyball on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Archie. Thank you.